It's me, Dr. Plummer, Linnell Plummer, Linnell, Nay, whatever you want to call me, back here with my friends. Last, uh, last week, we did a clip on Molly and Issa from Insecure, and we had a great time. In fact, we had so much time that we went well over the hour time that we had slotted, so I don't know what you guys are in for today. We've been debating back and forth if we're going to just do an hour, if we're going to go over an hour, what's going to happen, but over the last week, because we're homegirls, girlfriends, we've been talking so much, and we were like, yo, when we get back on and do our video for YouTube, we're going to talk about this, and we're going to talk about that. So we have a lot to say amongst each other, and we hope that you get to follow along with us. We hope that we spark some um, thoughts for you and some discussion for you, and then the next thing you know, you go and think about it, and you pass that information on to your homegirls, and we start a whole community of um, women thinking about different things or women thinking about things that we've already thought about but going deeper. So another uh, round of introductions. We have Ayana Malone and we have Dina Kennedy and we have Janai Moores and today we're missing Nikki uh, but it's because She's super busy with work and all that kind of stuff. She might join us in later and bring some of her extra funness, but mm -hmm. if not, hopefully you guys will see her in the future. So, Yana, DJ, what's up? Like, so what did you guys think about this last, um, these last couple episodes of um, Insecure? I guess we had the one with Molly on vacation, and then we had uh, Issa pro trying to process everything that happened after the festival. But where do you guys want to start? So I didn't uh, put together that episode six was an all Issa video episode and episode seven was an all Molly episode. So I was watching the episode like, why is this all about Molly? But I was listening to a podcast and it was like anchored on the Ethiopian restaurant interaction. And then you saw like it was all Issa and all Molly in that even though they weren't in each other's episodes, their their actions featured heavily. Right? Yeah, Donna, so you do can, you remember going when we went to that Ethiopian restaurant in LA? I do. Know, do you Jen, I was there. It was my it was my friend's family's restaurant. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> of course I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was like, this place is mad familiar. But anyway, uh -huh. D with um a couple years ago for, for Ayana's birthday, she wanted us to run. We, this was back in our running day, super hardcore running day. Right? Run. Huh? <laughs> I heard about this run. Yeah, Lord. <laughs> we don't need to tell the whole YouTube world about that yeah. that whole weekend because it was the same child. But we ended up going to that exact same Ethiopian restaurant. It's Janai's friend's family's restaurant. And then my family from L.A. Um, met us out there. So I was like, oh, super cool. It Sorry was the same Janai's restaurant? Friend. Huh? It was the same restaurant? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It was the one we oh. went to. It was uh -huh. the one we went to. And we ate Ethiopian food on my birthday. I remember. Yeah. Oh, oh, my remember, my cousin, remember my cousins met us out there? Yeah. I had to call my friend and, and talk to her about it. I'm surprised she didn't say anything to me. Yeah, yeah, it was the same yeah. restaurant. We, I was like, hey, I know that place. But <laughs> yeah. Sorry, mm -hmm. A, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah. No, I was just making that as being an interesting parallel that you could see what's going on in their two different worlds and how their fight is affecting their two different worlds and their inability to just talk to each other. Like, neither one of them wants to give in. So yeah. that was interesting. Um, 
I'm here to talk about the pool, what happened in the pool, <laughs> but we don't have to start there because a lot of other things happen. We can talk about her not freaky situation with Asian May. Like we can talk about how she talked to her assistant at work, which I found strange. So yeah, that's what I wanted to say. So well, y'all up next. I'm down for whatever. When we did our last recording, we said that we wanted to talk about um, toxic friendships. And, and so it brings to mind, like, is this situation a toxic friendship? Even how they, the producers decided to split it and show us Issa's side versus Molly's side and kind of how their life went on the week after the incident. Um, would y'all consider this toxic? Would, would, would this be a toxic friendship? And what is a to what's really a toxic friendship? Hmm. I don't think I would consider it being toxic. Yeah, I, don't know. I like the way the producers did that because it kind of sh sheds light on what happens when there's no communication mm -hmm. and our assumptions and the, the, the dialogue that we play in our heads. You know, you saw Molly's face when she saw Issa coming toward the restaurant and then leaving the restaurant. So I'm sure she had a whole storyline uh, playing in her head about, you know, she don't want to talk to me, look at this, and, you know, making it, compounding the, the already bad situation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting because the way I read her face when, so she saw Issa about to come into the restaurant, right? And, like, you could see her physically bracing herself. And that's, that's crazy how we, like, really, our body responds to our emotions. But she physically braced herself, but then when she saw that Issa didn't come in, I, I read her face as sad, not, like, high. I got you, I won this situation. I read it as, damn, like my friend, like we we really might be done. Like she's really yeah. not talking to me, you know? And although I previously, and let me say for the record, cause I messed up in our last video, I went hard in the paint. I went super hard in the paint. Like, nah, I'm seeing Molly. I'm, I mean, I'm seeing Issa, I'm seeing Issa. And then you guys was like, Linnell, if you don't go back and watch Insecure. So I watched Insecure from the very first season, episode one, and I have to retract. Um, Molly wasn't as bad as I thought she was. She had been riding for Issa for the last few seasons. Uh, but even though in, this, in that last one a couple of weeks ago, she was wrong to me. I still was surprised that she felt so sad when Issa didn't want to engage with her. And I wonder... If, if that happens often, do we like attack somebody and then want them to come back and apologize to us before we actually go back and apologize to them? Well, I think it, I think she was sad because I, I agree with you. Um, I think, and excuse me, y'all, I'm tipsy already. Yikes. Um, <laughs> cheers, cheers to the weekend on cheers. Wednesday. <laughs> um, I think uh, she, I know she was sad because she probably felt like that was that was her end to even communicate anything, no matter what she was feeling. Because obviously neither one of them had reached out or whatever. So it's like, okay, I'm gonna see her now. So one of us has got to say something. Like like the ice has to be broken at this point. So it's kind of like I'm looking for this relief, you know, of, of the ice breaking, but then it didn't happen. So I didn't get a chance to say whatever it is I had to say, even if I don't know what I was going to say, mm -hmm. you know? And so then, like you said, because she decided not to come in when she's like, I know she saw me. Mm -hmm. um, then, it, then there's this sadness, like, oh, we might be done, done. I, I don't gone, even know what to do about it. Should Molly have gone outside after Issa and been like, 
yo, yo, I saw you about to come in. Yo, let's talk. I made a mistake the last time. I, or I would say yes. I would say yes mm -hmm. because I feel like even though they've, been, they've kind of been back and forth with, um, you know, you did this to me, you did that to me or whatever. I feel like the last thing was Molly. Mm -hmm. was Molly's fault. So Molly should have chased her. I, I think so. Unless, yeah. unless she just doesn't want to do it anymore. If she's just done, done, and she can live on without ever talking to Issa again, then fine. But obviously, that's not the case. So. But she don't feel done, done to me. Like, um, yeah, because she, she was, like, sad still, right? Like, and she didn't feel done, done, because even when she was talking to Asian Bay, And then I was like, yo, oh, my God, how many times do we find ourselves in a position where we run into one of our homegirls' exes? And we just want to pick up the phone and be like, girl, I just saw such and such, right? And I know that when she was in the airport and she saw Lawrence, she wanted to be like, yo, Issa, I just saw Lawrence, but then she couldn't. And so it made me think like, you know, when is she going to reach out? And is she? Like, is that her personality, right? Like, I find that I'm always the person that reaches out. When something happens, I feel like I'm always like, let's talk about it. I feel the tension, this and this and that, but... Is Molly that person? Is Issa that person? Are you that person? Which one of y'all are that person that reaches out? <laughs> and be for real, because you know that I'm y'all best friends, so I already know the answers. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm not answering that part, but I did want to respond to what happened in the restaurant. Um, I think it reaching out depends on the situation, like, especially if I know I'm like, you just wrong. You know, you just did something wrong. You need to own up to it. And sometimes I'm like, no, I'm not going to. But what I thought was interesting, did you all notice when she saw Issa coming in, she like picked up her phone and was like smiling down at her phone. So she almost put on a persona, you know, which I thought was really disappointing. You know, where when she saw Issa, she could have turned and looked at her, but she chose to pretend like she didn't see her. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that didn't feel good to me in mm -hmm. terms of if they're really close friends, if they're best friends, you know, which is what it seems like they are over these seasons, like, why would she turn and pretend like she didn't see Issa coming in, yeah. you know? And so to me, that was very disappointing about Molly. And in that way, I was actually glad when Issa turned around and left. But then I was disappointed in Issa turning around and leaving. Too. Yeah. <laughs> it was like they were both avoiding the situation. Um, and I don't know throughout the years who has, you know, reached out more one way or the other. So I can't really tell if, you know, one of them feels like they're always doing it and the other person is not. But I thought it was really disappointing. But it might just have been too soon as well, in all fairness. It could have do been you think soon. that's symbolic? Like, do you think it's symbolic that um, Molly pretended to not see Issa? And mm -hmm. in that, are there times when we pretend to not see who our friends really are? Are we, are we more comfortable seeing our friends with who we think they are, seeing our friends with just their behavior as opposed to seeing, like, their soul and their intentions and things like that. Like, was it symbolic for, for Molly to be like, I'm gonna just see you how I wanna see you and I'm gonna pretend like life is good and you just go over there and suffer by yourself? Well, I, I think um, it's more so about you, you know, about, about me, basically. 
Mm-hmm. So what whatever I'm projecting um, is more so my own my own shit basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of times, you know, we tend to stay surface sometimes just because we can't we can't deal with it because we can't deal with ourselves. Yeah. Um. So so that could be what happened too. I'm sure she knows there's some there are some things about Molly that there are some things about herself that she is not willing to deal with and that she probably knows she's going to get called out on. And yeah. She's not ready. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, it just makes me sad when I think about like, you guys know that aside from you guys, I, I tend to have, um, I tend to question a lot of things when it comes to like friendships. I'm very sisterly, love to be around women, right? Like my preference is to, hang out with women and to learn with women and things like that. But there's moments where I feel like maybe women don't want to see who I really am, right? Because there's elements of me that's complex, right? Like I'm one way here and one way here and all these experiences. And I feel like sometimes people just want to pigeonhole me and see me in one particular way. And anything that deviates from that, they think that I've changed as opposed to the fact that they never took the time to fully see who I was. And so when Ayana said that a second ago, although I hadn't thought about the fact that Molly wasn't paying attention to, um, or that Molly had turned to her phone in that moment, it did spark a, a, a curious, a curiosity in me in that do friends choose to not see their friends? And if it's for their own safety, if it's for their own defense, if, you know, whatever the case may be, do you always want to see your friends for who they really are? So I'm going to say yes, because if you, you know, turn that on yourself, do you always look at the, let's say, ugly parts of you? It's hard to look at the ugly parts of yourself. So I imagine it's even more difficult to look at those things uh, about a friend that you may disagree with or, or, you know, you may want to call them on a carpet for um, things that, you know, you just don't like. It's mm-hmm. hard to keep someone outside of the sphere sphere that you deal with them in. And, and do you want to? Mm-hmm. You but what happens when we don't? What happens when we don't? Like, we know what happens when we don't call ourselves to the carpet. We know what happens if we don't, like, become accountable for, our, for ourselves and our own actions. Like, at, at 40 years old, at almost 40, like, I know what happens if I'm not accountable to myself. But what happens when you when you don't see your friend for who they really are? Like then we what we live these superficial lives, like we on housewives, are we on these reality TV shows? Like we just live in real surface and superficial. Is that what we're supposed to be doing in friendship? So I don't think that. So just in a personal situation with a friend, um, I think at some point as I realized who this person is or you know was but is actually um to me and i decided to be okay with that like i'm okay with who you are and who you are to me i thought you may have been something else but now i know that you know that's not necessarily true but i'm okay but i'm okay with it but now it's like but you're not okay with what i see and how i see our relationship yeah. But now there's a that's a that's a whole other problem. So 
Did you have a conversation with this person, Jay? Like when you realized that when you realized that you your eyes were opening, right? And you were mm-hmm. starting to see that person. That is change. And we are always uncomfortable with change, even when change is beautiful, right? Like a yeah. new birth or a new house. Yeah. We're still uncomfortable with the change. Yeah. So when your eyes started to open and you felt that change, did you have a conversation at that point? Did you have a conversation when you came to acceptance? Did you have a conversation when this person wasn't accepting what you had now seen from them? Like, yeah, we, back to what we talked about last week in terms of like, when do we converse? Yeah, so we actually did have, um, we, we've had several conversations about it. And I think a lot of times um, we see ourselves as one way um, or, or, you know, we, we want to be a certain way, but just because we want to be that way doesn't mean that, you know, that's actually who we are. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm learning that too. I'm learning that too. I'm, I'm actually um, in conversation about that today with mm-hmm. someone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so sometimes we say something or, or we think something, you know, so much like this is who we think we are that we believe it. Yeah. You know? um, so, Yes, we've had conversation. My, this this one person um, and I have had conversation about it, um, and I think it's hard to understand that I'm okay with it now because now I understand. Yeah. At first, I feel like there was a lot of um, you know issues, a lot of bickering and whatever, but that's because I didn't I didn't realize I didn't understand. I wanted you to be something that you weren't, but yeah. now that I know who you are, then I know that I still love you and I still there are still things about you that I respect and that I love. And those are the things that I, um, I guess, gravitate towards. And the other things, I'm, I'm okay with those things too, but I won't necessarily be bothered or, you know, I'm not sure what term I'm looking for, but um, I don't have to deal with those things if I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. Is it ever possible for us to see somebody before they fully see themselves? Yes. Absolutely. And what is, what is what does that then look like, right? Because that's when you, I feel like that's when people get under people's skin, right? They be like, they don't even know me. They don't even see me. You know what I mean? They saying I'm somebody I'm not. And then like a year later, they realize like their friend was actually accurate. Like, what does that look like? And, and yeah, what does that look like? Well, I think it's ultimately about approach. It's, a, it's about approach. Um, I think when you know somebody, you got to figure you or you want to figure out or, you, you know, you want to learn how to talk to people. Mm-hmm. And and just because, you you know, you might be this this person that just says whatever they're thinking right away. You know, I, the, it could be the harshest language or whatever, but this is who I am. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything for you. I don't think that's fair. Um, mm-hmm. I think that you should always when you know when you can make the decision to stop and think about what it is you're actually trying to say to this person you know yeah. I'm, not, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings like you got to tell yourself that too yeah. it's true i'm not trying to hurt your feelings um i love you i still want to be in this you know friendship with you or you know whatever it is um and now i gotta i gotta figure out how i'm gonna say what i need what i feel like i need to say with you say to you and also be okay or or feel or feel that convicted or you know that passionate about 
these feelings that I have to be okay with you not understanding where I'm coming from. You know, even if you receive it, doesn't mean that you quite understand all the time. Yeah. And knowing that you might not want to talk to me anymore. Yeah. Today. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's funny how you put the emphasis on on understanding because I'm working with the counselors at Onyx right now. Um, and I know Ayana's working with the consultants around Bloom's taxonomy and how we like go through these processes of like remembering things and understanding things and analyzing things and creating something new and how we work on that in counseling and educators work on that in the classroom. But what would happen if we actually did that in our friendships too, right? Like what would happen if we like actually took the time to like deconstruct our friendships and understood who our friends were like, because we talk about our friendships as if they're so much part of who we are and our identity, but I feel like people live their friendships haphazardly. Like there's not a lot of intention behind it. There, you know, we put all this intention in terms of learning our career and learning our skills and learning who we are, but we don't put that same effort into learning our friends. And then we're like constantly shifting friends and we're constantly saying that somebody is trying to be offensive to us when they're not. And I think it's, I think it's because maybe we don't put the same level of intentionality in our friendships that we put in other areas of our lives. We, we sit, we're an accountability group and we check in with each other every single day on our workouts, right? And on our intermittent fast. And by the way, I'm, I'm going to be late for intermittent, intermittent fasting day because we all here. So I'm going to eat a little late, but, but do we do that in terms of the depth of our friendship. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Yanni, and I think, D, you have something to say, too, so I apologize. Mm -hmm. Y'all know I talk a lot. Sure. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm gonna start with, and then I wanna go back to how you see your friends, but I would actually argue that we do spend time analyzing our friendship as you get older, and I think that's why, as you get older, you tend to have less friends right? Your circles get smaller, your circles get tighter. So maybe we don't recognize it in the same way, right? So we don't recognize that I'm analyzing your behavior or I'm synthesizing what you said yesterday with your actions of today. Like we were just having that conversation about how your words and your actions don't match. I don't know if you really care. Mm -hmm. um, and so maybe we don't talk about it in that way, but I do think it happens because we become more discerning as we're older and we don't characterize every person we cross paths with as a friend. We don't, we see people a little bit more clearly and then we decide like kind of just like what Janai was saying, do we want to deal with that or no? Yeah. Whereas back in the, the 20s, the teens, even sometimes your early 30s, you put up with a lot more nonsense, yeah. right? And you put up, you, you do the bickering, you do the fighting, and you just thought it was a normal part of being somebody's friend. But I'm telling you, you cross an age, and I, I don't know the exact age, but you just <laughs> cross this age where you're like, what? Like, no, I don't have time. You know, like, why, why would I put myself through that? Yeah. Um, so I would say that about how you see people in friendship. I think what's interesting, because I have a friend where that's one of the primary reasons we don't interact as much, if ever, anymore, is because I saw her very differently than she saw herself. Mm -hmm. And I saw her as someone who was very emotionally stunted. Um, 
and wouldn't acknowledge that. And so she was just, just like Molly, where she was going to therapy every now and again. And I'd be like, you, you should stick with it. You should stick with that therapy. Like, you should go back. And I was so happy when Molly made that phone call because she didn't see herself as someone who was emotionally stunted. Mm-hmm. And it really became a point, kind of like what Janai said, like, look, I can't, like, that's not going to fit. Like, you can't just brush everything off. Like, everything's not a big deal. You know, like, things like that. So I think it's interesting that oftentimes friendships do break down because you see a person in a way they don't see themselves. Not saying you're always right, right? We're not always right. And it might be vice versa for them. But yeah, so my two cents. And then um, I'm gonna let D go. And then I'm gonna, I wanna want you to put a pin in this idea of people seeing what they want to see. Cause that's gonna take us to the pool and, and Molly at the pool. I'm writing notes. I got notes. Okay. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Go ahead, Dina. No, I was just going to add on to what everyone else said. I think as your life gets more purposeful, as you, you know, you mature and you get focused on your career and perhaps your family and those things that are important to you, just like you do in your life, you start to cut some of the nonsense out. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that comes along with relationships and friendships. And that doesn't mean that you discard those friendships. They just become, uh, you know, further from the center, I'll say. Um, I have a lot of good friends from being an army brat and moving around who I will always love and always care for and always be there for, but we may not be able to travel together. We may not be able to, um, you know, talk every day and, and you know, mm-hmm. together, like hang out on a daily basis because what you are breathing into your life is not what I want in my life. Yeah. So I protect myself. I've got to kind of, you know, put a little wall of separation there. Yeah. But you know, you know, you still care for those folks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm burning, I'm burning some Palo Santo because I was like, I feel it in here, y'all. I feel it. I feel it feels good to me, right? Like something, <laughs> something is healing in here for me. And I, I came into this conversation, into all these conversations thinking like, you know, our friendships, um, specifically us, right? Like we we mesh really well together right like and and everybody knows everybody from different circles of their lives and we have come together and have been such a great and beautiful support system and then i get into sessions with folks and they're talking about their friendships and i'm like where what's happening right so part of what i wanted to do is come together so we can talk about our friendships and any other things that come up over the next couple years right that we want to talk about but also because, truth be told, being really transparent, I need the healing myself. You know, I'm a therapist. I love therapy. I loved when Molly decided that she was going to go back to therapy in her last session. Um, and I also know that my friends are healing mechanisms for me too, right? And and so I needed to talk to you guys today about this. And it wasn't just about the YouTube, but it was about like this healing process that comes um, with friendships and interpersonal relationships and questioning those things. Um, Yanni, you wanted to say something about um, people seeing people seeing what they want to see. And what is that? By the way, I know who I know who your little friend is that you was talking about too. And I told you I don't even like that person. 
Don't you? I, I know. Oh you, you never liked the way she even blinked. I know. I know. And, like, if you want to say, I, I, I told like a little you so. Exactly. You can say, I told you so. I tried. I hung on for years. Um, and now I got the, the whole guilt thing, but that, that'll be a different conversation because now, yes, anywho, I don't know, one of you mentioned something about, do you see what you just want to see? And that made me think about Molly at the pool because, you know, I've been knee deep in Twitter and, you know, at, you know, all these groups, you know, talking about that situation. And it's like, people keep pointing out, like, did she see? the girl not ask those people for their ID right like when she walked up it was the tail end of the conversation right and they were walking away and so you know talking about seeing what you want to see she wants to see Issa the way she wants to see Issa she sees her Andrew her relationship the way she wants to see her even when she was tough on her assistant we can talk about, you know, was she right or wrong when she was talking to her assistant, but Molly seems to just see situations the way she wants to, and did that really happen, right? Um, you know, did the girl really not ask those people for, uh, for their ID, and was, what did you guys think about her reaction to it? You know, it seems to be firmly split down the middle of, look, you ruined people's entire vacation. You ruined your vacation, you know, behind this silly woman who you ain't never going to see again. Or do you deserve to speak up and, you know, turn over a table every now and again <laughs> and be damned who you have said about it? So I'd love to hear y'all y'all's opinions. Um, I'm gonna let D and J answer that question, but I don't know if the vacation was ruined. I feel like I feel like she was able to see how her maybe future brother-in-law sees things. She was able to see how her future sister-in-law sees things. She was able to uh, they were able to see her. I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say it was ruined, but y'all know I'm gonna have the cup, the glass is half full kind of person, right? So I'm always trying to look for the lesson in the situation. Right, right. But pertaining specifically to the towel and the pool, D and J, J you know, feel free to uh, go, Jay. Okay. Go, Jay. So I think it doesn't have to be ruined, but I think it all plays into who Molly is in general. Is Molly willing to go back to? Asian Bay's brother and just hash it out. Like he, he, and the pool was like, Hey, you know, like, let's just talk it out. Like, what's up? Like, how you feel? Tell me how you feel, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm a colored person. You're a colored person, you know, or whatever. I'm, you know, I'm minority, you're a minority, whatever, not the same type of minority, but whatever. <laughs> um, but, but she, she is so, I feel like she's so one-sided sometimes. Like she, she she cannot even process that right now. So for me, I feel like vacation was ruined right now because I don't think she's willing. I, I don't think that she's gonna, and I don't know if I missed something, but I don't think she's gonna go back and wanna have dinner with them for the rest of the vacation or whatever. I think it's just gonna be her and Bay, you know, mm -hmm. for the rest of the vacation, which sucks, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. for, for him, 
um, and the brother and the wife, because they were just having a good time and just, I guess, being who they are as well. Mm -hmm. um, and now it's like this angry, angry black woman, mm -hmm. you know, situation. And she, I, I think overall, she's just frustrated in general. And I think one thing is just leading into the next, like, she just got too, too many emotions happening right now that she, that she just has not dealt with at all. Now, what I wanted to ask you all, though, is do you think that Asian Bay should voice his opinion about whatever is happening? Um, so with her and Issa and with her and her brother, like, um, I mean, with um, her and his brother, like, do you think he should say something? Because I feel like he's right now, he's just trying to play it cool, just trying to show her um, that he can, that she can trust him. And that she can just be whoever she is right now, and I'm still here. Do you think it's time for him right now to jump in and say something about both, about both situations? D over there nodding all hardcore. What's up, D? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I can remember it all, but anyway, they saying something. Absolutely. Come closer to the screen because it's it's a little staticky. Yeah. Try it again. Okay. This is a couple of things. Asian Bay saying something. I definitely think the next episode, because she's seeking help now, she should probably, you know, ease it into the conversation. Um, her explosion with the brother-in-law, I think she has some insecurity with their race. And I think that that will probably come out later in the show. And then I wanted to say that your perception is so powerful. When I was, because y'all know I'm army brat. Um, I grew up mostly in Germany. So I think I can say that you all are probably the most um, black girlfriends I ever had in my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whatever. One, one ethnicity, which I love, outside of college, because I went to HBCU. But um, my perspective. Oh, my goodness. All of us went to an HBCU. Did Okay, but we all know that Howard reigns. <laughs> Boo! Anyway, go ahead, D. Sorry, D. Sorry, they indoctrinated me. I'm indoctrinated. Okay, okay, okay. Go ahead, D. Okay. Um, but what I was gonna say is my perspective then when I had uh, uh, friendships that were, you know, Puerto Rican, Egyptian, you know, just the whole gambit of people my perspective of other people and my race was not as acute as it is now. Here in DC, like I noticed little things like that and I'm like, oh, you know, was that, you know, racism right there? Whereas when I was, you know, in Germany with other nationalities, it was a, a different mindset. And so I don't know if that has a lot to do with Molly's insecurities, how she feels about herself. And then, you know, the bandwidth that she has in her circle because you know they're all black women and we love that in the show and then in in comes asian bay so how is she dealing with that emotionally mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i um I think, what, I, I think what's interesting is i think there was a missed opportunity that molly had and it didn't have to happen in the pool um, because, I, you know, being that, you know, she felt slighted and I believe you should call out 
racist behavior when it happens, right? Um, but when she got back in the pool and was so angry, you know, I, I think Asian Ray's brother was wrong to be like, do you really think it was racism? Like, when something like that happens, that's like the wrong thing you should say. But if you're going to choose to be with Asian Bay, you're going to have to take his family along with it. And that's the moment when you be like, you know what, Asian Bay's brother, uh, what was that man's name? I don't know. Asian Bay's <laughs> brother, like, that is the wrong thing to say to me when I'm this upset. You know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and I feel like, you know, she could have been like, look, uh-uh, that's not what you say to not me. Right not mm -hmm. right now. Not right now. And then kind of like what Janai was saying, it would have been wonderful. And I was actually very disappointed that they just cut to now they back at the airport. But what happened after? Like, they could have gone to dinner and Molly could have been like, you know what? I was so pissed off when this happened. But let's talk about, do I really think it was, you know, racism? Let's talk about how being Asian which is one of the most assimilating minorities out there yeah, is not the different. same as being black. It's different. Mm -hmm. And I was actually really disappointed that she couldn't have that conversation with them because I, did, I thought the wife was cool until she was like, Oh, y'all not really, y'all not really minorities, you know? And then I, that's when the wife clutched her pearls and she really alienated them at that point. Um, so I, I was very disappointed. I wasn't mad that she was mad, but I was mad that there was no resolution to it and sort of, I didn't think about it. I'm gonna turn the wiggles back on, hold on. I didn't think about it in terms of what Jay was saying in terms of, you know, it's part of her personality that she won't go back and admit. Mm -hmm. I could, not that she was wrong, but she could have handled it differently. Yeah. So, yeah interesting perspective yeah yeah i think that you guys brought up so much stuff that i'm just like ooh, where where do where do i start right one yanni i didn't even realize that she came in at the end of the um at the end of the towel situation you know i tend to be super uh afrocentric right <laughs> so anytime i think there hints the name onyx of the company, right? I tend to, I, I immediately uh, empathize with her in, in her assumption. And now I realize that it's, it's an assumption. I'm going to go back and watch it. But that, that she didn't, that the um, towel lady didn't treat everybody equally. So that's my mistake, right? Because maybe she didn't actually know and maybe she made an assumption. And how many times do we get ourselves in these ugly situations because we, we've assumed something, right? Um, I do believe that the timing of Asian Bay's brother, we should just call him uh, ADD. No, no, that's too much. I'm too being a nerd, right? So Asian Bay's brother, the timing was bad. Like he shouldn't have, he shouldn't have said anything to her about it in that moment. He knew that she was kind of heightened, right? Like you could feel the kind of energy that's coming out of there, right? Like she got into the pool and I don't know if you guys know um, a whole lot about like, Arisha's or whatever, but you could feel her coming in like with fire, like she was ready to start a, hur a whole hurricane in that <laughs> Testing her in her angry black woman. Yeah, and that wasn't fair. And I think that he got set up, that he set her up in that situation. I liked how Asian Bay rocked with her. He was like, dude, like, fuck you, right? Because he totally 
was wrong. He knew his brother was wrong, but he knew who his brother was before, and he knew who Molly was before, which is why he kept prepping Molly before they even went on the trip. Like, this is who my brother is, and he is intense, and he wakes up early in the morning, and he wants to exercise. He wants to do all that. I felt like, you know, he shouldn't be demonized for that because I probably do that on vacation too. But he knew who his brother was from the beginning and was probably more prepared than Molly was. Nonetheless, it's unfair to believe that Molly potentially ruined the trip because of her reaction and not that Asian Bay's brother ruined the trip because of his improper times question. Like, why do we go to Molly having ruined the trip? Because she reacted to something that this dude instigated, right? If he's supposed to be all super smart and all of this and all of that, we would hope that he has enough emotional intelligence to be able to read the room or to read the pool and know that, like, he was wrong for saying that. They did kind of, I think for me, I got closure in the vacation because, remember, um, uh, Asian Bay's brother and sister-in-law went about and did their own thing for the rest of the weekend. And Molly and Asian Bay did their own weekend, which to me was an indication that uh, they were not gonna, nobody was in a place to like really talk about it. Asian Bay stood hard next to Molly, which I appreciated. But to somebody's point, I do believe that it is time for Asian Bay to, to pull Molly to the carpet because he's proven to her that she can trust him time and time again. And now it's time for him to use that trust and that's how we do it in all areas, right? Like we build trust with people so that if we have, we build trust with people and if we have to question them about something, they know that it's coming from our good heart and not because we're like trying to persecute them, right? So I believe it is time for Asian Bay to say, you know, there's a pattern of behavior that I'm noticing here. And it's re- it really has to do with the fact that you have these emotions that you don't take time and think through. And as opposed to that, you just like explode and it and it has the potential to really ruin relationships that that are uh, important and that you want to be able to be a part of. And I don't know if if she sees that yet. And part of the reason I don't think she sees it is because I believe her stability was rocked when she found out that her parents had gone through their tough situation. She grew up with this fantasy, even though in poverty she had this fantasy, and now she questions everything about interpersonal relationships. Um, because she found out new information, of which I don't think the parents should have had to tell her because that's their own relationship and they don't need to tell that to their children if they don't want to. But I do believe that she's now questioning everything because her parental unit in her mind uh, shifted a bit. So that's me um, saying a lot. In terms of- You know, I I want to, I actually want to say, I thank you for making the point that it wasn't just Molly who was incorrect in this situation. And I I think that message does need to get out more, like read the room, read the pool, you know? And I mean, his brother was antagonistic from Jump Street, so it doesn't surprise me that he continued to be antagonistic. But yeah, the brother could have come around and said something to Molly too. one more bit of perspective that I was reading about on the internet um, was that how does how does Molly not know that the people ahead of her? Because you know when you've been in a resort for several days, people start to recognize you, right? And so how do you know that the girl didn't know those people 
because she's seen him for three days and she's never seen Molly before. And I only bring that up because I think Linnell, you said, or somebody said something about perspective, right? And, you know, OD also said something about perspective, like it all depends on your environmental perspective around how you see a situation. So that's interesting. I think, the, I think anybody who said that, although I 100%, my mind 100% went to the vacations that I've gone through of which the hotel staff absolutely started to recognize me. Um, I can associate with that. But, but does Molly go to a lot of resorts all the time? We mostly see her working, right? Like, so does she know that people make those kind of connections all the time? Like, that is a point of uh, travel privilege, if we will, mm -hmm. right? Like, of which we make those kind of connections. Everybody doesn't always travel, and they don't always travel to resorts. Sometimes they do Airbnbs or they go to families, and so they don't understand the culture of a resort because there's a culture of everything. And the culture of the resort is indeed, you know, you got your favorite bartender who's going to make your favorite drink and you're going to your favorite bar, or your favorite towel lady and your favorite DJ because they want to put all the foam in the pool. Um, and after a couple of days there, they know you and you know them, but that's part of their job to get to know you. And so whoever wrote that, I think it's a, a wonderfully fair statement, but it is also very much rooted in privilege and the assumption that because Molly is an attorney, she has traveled enough to understand result co uh, re resort culture. It's funny, um, Charmaine and I were watching uh, and, and that was the first thing we both his, did. His Charmaine. Charmaine eh. <laughs> <laughs> is my girlfriend. <laughs> Fast there. You have a girlfriend. You have a lady friend. You have a lady friend. You have a lover. Yeah, you know. You have a lady You know. You have a lady caller. You have a lady caller. You have You have a lady caller. 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 You have a lady so <laughs> I don't think that everybody knows that. I mean, I think about the first times that we all, depending on when we first had our resort experience and we were adults, then maybe it was a shock for us. But like thinking about the kids, it's going to be second nature to them because they go to resorts, right? Like, so it's going to make sense. But we can't assume that Molly knows resort culture because maybe, in fact, she doesn't. Um, all of her actions were permissible up until the point where- Can't hear you, Dee. I'm sorry, geez. I said, I think all of her actions were permissible up until the point where she said those negative things to um, Agent Bay and his wife. I mean, we understand you're hurt, you have some pain, he is antagonistic, but I think she's smart enough and articulate enough to have said, you know, this is not the time. I don't want to talk about this instead of shooting shots at them. Yeah. 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 What yeah. makes her articulate? What makes her articulate enough? What What in Molly's history makes us think that she can do it? Is it just because she's an attorney? Yes. Yeah. That and the fact that, you know, she, didn't she wind up working in Chicago for a little while because they were mistreating her on a different uh, bunch of cases? Mm -hmm. uh, 
she's been fighting for her career and kind of establishing herself as an attorney. Uh, she's she's always presented well when she's in that work environment. Mm -hmm. uh, unless she's talking to someone subordinate of her. There's some mm -hmm. issues that we talked yeah. about. But that makes me think that she is able to negotiate a situation without, you know, saying hurtful things to other people. Push back on that, D, primarily because when she made the transition, um, the partial transition from Los Angeles to Chicago, and then subsequently from that firm to the next firm, it was because people were also advocating and looking out for her. I don't recall her ever going to her superiors and having to advocate in a, in a very structured um, process that involved like communication skills and problem solving skills. I, re I recall her being able to rely on um, relationships and networks that she had built with a small group of people and they looked out for her. I'm not sure that she has the ability to problem solve. I know that she has the ability to go hardcore. I know that she's a ride or die kind of friend. I know that she has a lot of passion, but I don't know if she has the skill set to uh, move past her emotions into her logic um, when things are like intense. But I don't, I don't know. We'll see how she continues to develop over over the series and such. But I don't recall her going to her superiors and like really being like, I'm not gonna, I can't do this. Like this goes against my values. I might be. I'm drinking the red wine tonight, but shout out to the Prosecco. There was a part in there where she was um, trying to become partner and they turned her down. Am yeah. I no, no, you're right. They, they turned her down. Um, they told her that it wasn't her proper time. And she, but she didn't advocate. She was just like, okay. And then she called old girl in Chicago and was like, if you need me to help you with any projects in Chicago, what's up? Right. It wasn't a matter of actually guys, I do deserve this. And this is my position. And this is my worth, um, of which I believe that she could do in all these situations, whether it's with Molly or whether it's with, you know, exes that she's had or, or in this situation where her potential brother-in-law, I just don't know that she, that maybe she hasn't matured enough to do it. Like all of you guys have been my friends while I was in my early thirties. And although I think I know how to communicate then, I realized that there were moments of which the communication just wasn't happening. So it may be a matter of a lack of uh, maturity. I think other, another factor that plays a role in that is that Molly is a dark skinned girl. Yeah. And, um, and she can't just uh, assimilate in certain situations, right? Like, had, I wonder what her experience, and I, I'm sad that um, everybody else isn't on the call tonight, but I, I do wonder, like, what light skin privilege looks like in certain situations, what body privilege looks like in certain situations, what... Um, what all of that looks like, and have, would there have been a different reaction if she didn't look so dark and subsequently, you know, we know that people think the darker the skin, the more threatening the behavior, right? And I say that as a dark-skinned woman myself, but I wonder if, if she would have had a different experience as a lighter-skinned woman. And, absolutely. Yeah? Yeah, I think absolutely. Um, 
I've been drinking the red wine again, but um, <laughs> there are studies <laughs> that talk about the attractiveness of people and how they are more, um, they're hired more um, because they are deemed attractive. Of course, when you're deeming someone attractive, that comes from your own perspective. So if you think the darker skinned person is attractive, then you know that may be who you hire, but society tells us that that lighter skin is more attractive and more, um, I want to use the word, able to tame. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Girl, you're going to get us cussed all the way out on the uh -huh. YouTube. <laughs> on the YouTube, because Black people love to put the in front of everything. But you're going to get all the light-skinned women cussing uh, us out. I love y'all. I do. But, I mean, look it up. It's in the studies. I, mean, I feel like we 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 tend to be more rebel. We have I feel like we're put in positions as dark skinned women to have to be rebellious because we're always being questioned. Um, so I I understand what you mean by e more easily to tame. I think that means that black women are less darker skinned women are less likely to go with the flow because from childhood we've been told you know. If, if we're darker skin, and this is a sad reality, but I remember having these conversations with both of my parents, my dad, who I 100% absolutely love, but who prepared me for a, wor a world that was going to see me as a dark skinned woman. Like, and in this situation, not only are you black, you are, and a woman, you are a dark skinned woman. And so this means this, right? And this is how you're going to have to navigate um, how you're gonna have to navigate the world. It shouldn't have been surprising to him that I came out with this complexion because he clearly had a woman with a woman, he clearly had a baby with a woman who was dark skinned her, herself. So he knew, um, and although he's attracted to dark skinned women, he also knew that, that my life was gonna be a little bit different because people were gonna make assumptions about me based on my darker skin than, had, than some of my lighter skin um, counterparts. And we should probably hold this conversation also until when um, we have some of our other ladies on the call because I've had deep conversations with them around colorism and subsequently how they've been treated and mistreated because they're light-skinned, right? And we, to, for all preference, our all context, we grew up in the 80s where light-skinned was apparently the way to go and we were all marginalized, right? <laughs> so, you know, I understand how they had some of their experiences, but definitely feel sad for them. But I do believe that part of Molly's experiences has to do with the fact that she is dark skinned. And um, y'all could beat me up if you want, but she's, she, she's not, um, she's not a sight to me. She's not a what to you? I just made that up like Ayana. She's not, she's <laughs> I'm trying to say yeah. she's not that attractive to her is what she's trying to say. Wait, <laughs> you don't think Molly is attractive? I think she is, but that's what I said. Yeah. Sometimes, for me, it's a sometimes thing, but I feel like that's, I feel like that about myself sometimes, you know. Girl, you yeah. are pretty. I tell you that all the time. Yes. No, I think she's yeah, beautiful. And when she came out in that, you know, Savage uh, Fenty X, uh, what is it? X Savage mm -hmm. Fenty, whatever, them panties. Oh, she was like, eat my ass. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. bright on his face. Right. 
Yeah, she sat right down. I was like, I'm here for all of this. Um, you were far too vanilla. He pulled out toys and balls. And I was like, okay, something, something's about to happen. I like it. Hey, hey, hey world. Um, Ayana is the freak of the crew. Okay. Well, you know, I like to keep, we keep it under, me and Asian Bay. we we don't need to discuss it. You know, he was like, oh, maybe I misunderstood the assignment. <laughs> he started pulling stuff out of that suitcase and I was like, yep, I'm here for Lord, it. When, yeah. she, when she went and sat, I literally had, I was literally like, is this happening? And I had to it look happened. closely to see where mm. she was actually sitting. Because mm -hmm. although she said that, I did not think HBO was going to uh, record <laughs> that. Right? Yeah. Sure yeah. And I was just like, you know what? And and you know what? You can't even be mad because Asia Bay rode with Molly for the rest of that weekend the way she rode with him that night. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We put a pin in. He had, he had his little hair. He was saying that shit. <laughs> that was bothering me. That whole little, little was bothering me. You didn't like the hair? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, that um, I, I could be flicking your hair when I'm not flicking my hair. That's the problem. <laughs> Listen, I want to know. Wait, Dee wanted to oh. put a pin in something. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I no, yeah, I didn't know she was going to be freaky. Sexuality. I think we should uh -huh. talk. Okay. Perhaps Lead the not. conversation, Dr. Kennedy. Um, I think Dr. Malone, who's further along in her process. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, IRB approval. I got my IRB Can y'all prescribe me some shit? <laughs> we're not those kind of doctors we're we not that kind of doctors just yet i wish no because <laughs> mm -hmm. if i was writing for script well never mind go ahead <laughs> yeah <laughs> meanwhile <laughs> but what do you mean like molly's sexuality the sexuality period i um i'll go ahead and out myself on for all of the world I'm a pretty uh, prudent person. I am. It wasn't until, you know, recent years, very recent years, that I kind of was able to actualize the things that were happening in my head. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, the psychology behind that. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a thing. It's a thing. Like, you have these fantasies but the nerve to actually do them and, you know, the self-confidence to actually do them because mm -hmm. the self-confidence component um, is a whole another situation that I think um, heavily involves how you see yourself as a woman, um, how you compare yourself to other women and what, you know, society looks at as beautiful. That's right. The whole conversation that we should have. That's mm -hmm. right. That's right. I think the big, I like I'm, I'm going to let Dr. Malone talk what, what she was she going to say because she is the expert in this sexuality game. No. Um, <laughs> but I do I do believe that you hit on a couple good points there, D, that it's less about um what we want to do and more about what we deem the other person is going to perceive as appropriate or inappropriate, right? It's kind of like when we're in our teens and in our 20s and we're trying to be who society says that we should be, right? Like this is the kind of black woman we should be and this is the kind of professional we should be. 
for three of us here, we're uh, military folks. So this is the kind of soldier that we need to be. And then you get to a point in life where you're like, I'm going to go against that and I'm going to just be me, right? But we don't always get to that place of sexual liberation in our relationships because in the back of our minds as women, we've still been taught to be prudent. We've still been taught that ladylike is this one thing. So where we could be rebellious in the workplace and where we could be rebellious in parenting, we don't necessarily take that same sense of rebellion in our bedrooms because, you know, this is an intimate partner and we want them to see us in this one particular way, which tends to be based off of socialization, tends to be very um, conservative and rude, even though we as black women grew, grew up here and you know, you want a lady in the streets and a freak and a sheep, right? But we still don't actualize that because we're afraid that they're gonna end up rejecting us if we're not ladylike enough. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I tend to be rebellious in all areas of my life. So that the bedroom included, um, but I'll leave it up to Dr. Malone because uh, that's her. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole other conversation. It's a whole other topic. It'll be a good one. For another, I think. Another one. Uh -huh. I'll write it down uh -huh. for next time too. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I think there's a lot to be explored, you know, when talking about sexuality and kind of the freedom to do what you want. What I thought was evolved of Molly, if you all remember in an earlier season, she was dating that guy. I remember his name was Jared, who had had that sexual experience with the guy and, you know, it was a big deal, et cetera, et cetera. And then fast forward to being on vacation and Asian Bay starts pulling out, you know, toys and apparatuses. And her reaction wasn't to like run for the hills. Her reaction was like, oh, well, maybe tell me what you like. Tell me, you know, what it is about this or that. <laughs> There's y'all's nephew. <laughs> Of course, on this topic, you want you want to you want to come visit. Go, go sit down he on this said, topic. He said, "Mommy, who are you talking to?" He <laughs> said, "What? What did he do?" What's he pulled apparatus? out what? <laughs> <laughs> what apparatus? <laughs> uh huh. Exactly. So I think I was proud of that you know that was her reaction. I honestly thought she was gonna be like, "Oh hell no!" You know, like, "What is this freaky shit? That this is not." but she didn't do that mm -hmm. and i was happy that she gave him part of what his fantasy was was for her mm -hmm. to take control she tied mm -hmm. him up she put on the blindfold she sat on his face and i was like good for you molly because <laughs> you know that's you know something he was interested in and she got he, he was popping that thing on the plane let's not forget that yeah so even so even before they <laughs> left he would he was popping that thing on the plane um but i think that's part of that evolution as well and i i i think it's interesting that people aren't more free in their sexuality but it, i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing either unless they have bad feelings about it you know like okay be vanilla like if you want to be vanilla like be butter pecan if you want to be butter pecan be all 31 flavors if you want to be 31 flavors it's more about the thinking behind the sexuality that's the i think 
that Issa and the writers were also amazing. And, you know, as Black women, we see things again from our perspective, which is the whole Molly Tao situation. But the fact that they challenged Asian Bay to be a freak like that, when what is characterized of most Asian men is that they're not about yeah. that life, right? Mm -hmm. And Asian Bay was like, I'm going to show you about this Mount High Club. Asian Bay was like, I'm going to go ahead and... I'm gonna show you voyeurism because, or was it, or is it exhibitionism? Exhibitionism because they were on that mountain, mm -hmm. and he didn't have a one to two moves, right? He had a left and a right and a left, right, left, right. He was doing what he did, <laughs> but he did what he did, and she was happy, and they missed dinner that night. And then um, they pulled out like these toys and um, all of that, and so even a Issa and her team challenge what we think about Asian men sexually and I thought that was I like that I like that because mm -hmm. it's interesting that it's black women and Asian men who are usually deemed you know what I think about that though, attractive of society that we should get together I've been saying Asian black women need to be with Asian men because <laughs> politically there's a lot okay. more black women right that are acceptable uh -huh. And there's a whole lot more Asian men, especially Chinese men, because of how they uh, carried out their processes there in China. Why right. can't we all just be together? If Asian men did what Asian Bay did, maybe more Black women would take them. I, yes. <laughs> but you know, I'm about the women, so I, I I'm agree. not there for Asian <laughs> Bay and his thing. But but you know, you know. What you got D. I see you. Couple things. I don't know if a lot of Asian men who are attracted to black females. What? Yeah, I see. That's true too, though. D is right. D is right. One hundred percent pushback. Not for Asians. One hundred percent pushback. I lived in Korea for all those years, and Koreans be pushing up on black women. Yes, they do. Pushing up or uh, will they commit long term? Uh, curious, yes. curious. Yes. Yeah, well, is I it mean, curiosity? If we gonna, if we gonna be, if we want to be funny, uh, do black men want all black women, or are they just curious? Right, like you don't know for sure that black, you don't know for sure who somebody wants to commit with until they put a ring on it. So. I'm going to say from what I've seen, it's typically the women. And I'm also going to say something that's not really politically correct, but there are other reasons that you have to take into account in Korea around the army base. <laughs> that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> that. What happens if it's that Asian men are indeed attracted to black women, but black women for so long have been told that we should only be with black men? Like, even if an Asian man flirts with you, would you see it as a flirt? Or would you be like, oh, he's just curious? Or he just wants to, um, he just sees me as exotic or whatever, because we have been socialized. I think that Asian men like black women. I think that we just don't pay attention. We have these stereotypes, you know, they're not, um, they're not of a full pack down under, or they don't have um, full rhythmic capacity. I'm, hey, I'm okay with curiosity. It, even, I mean, even if you are curious, you might be curious and have, and have that experience and it might be what you needed. So, 
That's a good point, Jay. I'm not at a point in my life where I'm okay with curiosity. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's curiosity, but I think there's a difference between curiosity and fetishizing. Okay, okay. So, yeah. So, I'm not. How do you know the difference, Yanni? How do you know the difference in the beginning on day one, day two, day three? You don't. You don't. That's why I'm like, okay, I give props to Jay that sometimes curiosity opens the door that you wouldn't necessarily open, but you have to have your defenses on, you know, the red flag, like, has it turned into fetishizing, right? Or even when you first meet, if the first thing he talks about is your big brown booty, Okay, I'm not gonna give you that's any more time fair, of day. Because it, black men do the same thing. No, that's not fair. But, because but they're black men. men. The but they're black men. They're gonna get a little more latitude. They're gonna get a little more latitude. I'm not saying I would put up with it for very long, but they might get a little more latitude because if a black man was like, "Yo, look at that big brown booty," I see it as more of a place of complimentary versus. Are you fetishizing? But how, like, that, I think that's I in our be, head. Sorry, Jay. Also, be it, it might be you know we, we might be having the same experience. Like your your curiosity or your fetishizing or you, you know whatever. Um, I, I might be feeling the same way mm-hmm. today. I've never been with an Asian man or woman. So mm-hmm. if if that happened for me today, maybe I you know. Sure, I like you. Something, something is drawing me to you. It's mm-hmm. not just that you're Asian. You know, mm-hmm. either you're 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 fine AF, or your personality is amazing. Something is drawing me to you. It's also like, huh? I've never been with an Asian. Like, let's see what's good. So, right. yeah, but I'm thinking it too. And, and so, for for me, at this point in my life, I'm like, who cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. I feel that's we we gonna do this, and maybe it might just open up a whole new world for both of us. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm of the position that I want all my single friends to start dating Asian men. Cause what's that? Like, what's that? What you got to lose? Pop this YouTube on the road. Why? Because I'm trying. I'm trying to marry this this little this little thick joint. I got the little thing. Well, I didn't necessarily yeah. consider you part of it. I didn't consider yeah. you a single. Yeah, she said single. Deny you are not single, so you don't count in the conversation. Which goes into <laughs> semantics, right? Because I guess technically on her on her taxes, she's single. But in, in, in commitment, you know, not so much. So I did have another question for you guys. I brought this question up to Yanni earlier today. Um, in terms of friendships, right? Because as black women, we're always like, oh, this my sister and sister this and sister that. And you got it, Jay? Yep. Okay. You need a refill? <laughs> I'm going to be right back. <laughs> well, hurry up, girls. Hurry up. I'm not stopping the recording. So her- go, Jay. Get what you need. I'm going to just take the computer with me. I'm going to take it Okay. And, and I guess Dina's going to come in with us in a second. Hopefully she can hear us. And you guys see Ayana, um, Ayana's at home with her little three-year-old son. So he probably yeah. trying to run around <laughs> telling her to get up off the computer because um, yep, he sure is. nobody is ready for that. Hi. Hey, handsome. Hey, Ayana. 
today about um, sisterhood, ver- sisterhood versus and or friendship because black people, we tend to make everybody who's close to us a relative, right? So that's my auntie, that's my uncle, um, you know, that's, you know, whomever, that's my grandmama and that's really like your grandma best friend, right? Like we just, we just be making up names and stuff, right? And so subsequently, we also are on the streets and we'll be like, hey, sis, hey, bruh, you know, and we'll refer to people in those ways. What is closer? Is a sister in Black relationship, is a sister closer than a friend or is a friend closer than sister? And I I say that at that moment because Black people are also ones who will dismiss our family and there's historical connections to that, right? Like because of slavery, we didn't always grow up with our, our biological family, right? So we can dismiss family because we never had, according to slavery, we didn't have, we weren't always able to be next to our blood family, right? Oh, that looks good. We weren't always next to be with our blood family. So we could dismiss family. I often hear people saying like, you know, that's my family, but I don't mess with them anymore. I, I don't pay attention to my mother. I'm not here for my sister, etc. And they're talking about blood family. According to Ifa, that is a mistake, right? We should not do that because we were placed on this earth with this family for a particular reason, but we still do it. All of that to say, because I could go into a whole diatribe about my thoughts around it, a whole monologue. Is a sister closer than a friend? in black women relationships and do you give what's the word yani latitude do you give your who gets the most latitude is it your biological sister is it your friend who is your sister or is it just your friend so we're looking at three different people biological sister friend ish sister and friend who gets the most latitude Mm. Yeah. Well, I. No, I was gonna say that I don't have. Well, that's complicated. But (laughs) for all of us, girl, it's complicated for all of us. Complicated, but I don't have sisters that come from my mother's womb. That's a true statement. Okay. Um, So, you know, I don't know that aspect of sisterhood. Um, but I will look at it as, um, you know, brothers, family, aunts, uncles, whatever. Family always gets the most latitude because you're connected to them. By birth, you have to see, well, you don't have to see them, but there's a connection. It, it, you, um, it's almost impossible to sever. Um, your sister friend probably is held to the highest standard. I believe that because this is the person that... <clears throat> I'm the most transparent with 
you know, that I'm expecting, you know, non-judgment and all of those things that people can't always provide, right? So, kind of my thoughts around that. So, so your position is that biological family gets the most latitude and then anybody you place into the position of sister, even as a friend, gets the next level of latitude. And then anybody of whom you call friend is is on the lower rung. Yeah, because I, you know, I, you choose the friends, you choose the sister friends. Um, these are people that you've selected because of qualities you you like in them, or qualities that you may want to emulate. Ah. You know, all of that stuff. So you selected these people. And so when you, coming back to how you see other people, when you show me something that I may not have seen in you before, that might be disappointing, you know, I'm going to work with you as a friend, but, you know, I expect higher, I expect more from you than the people that I were just, I was just born into this relationship with. And so then the question becomes, what criteria is used to elevate you from friend to mm -hmm. sister? And what happens when that criteria is challenged? So you have now placed someone on the rung of sister and now subsequently they are uh, not explicitly, they are subliminally, they are, um, they're, they're no longer meeting the criteria. So you place them on the rung of sister and they're no longer meeting the criteria that you used to, to, to place them, to qualify them. Do they now get pushed down to friend? Are you asking me? Well, yes. yes. Or anybody else who wants well, to. The sister criteria, that means I'm willing to get in the dirt with you. I'm willing to get in the dirt with you to fix your stuff, my stuff, talk about it, hash it out, you know, all the messiness of being in a relationship. Mm -hmm. If you are in that friend status, for me, only speaking for Dina, you know, you know, I'm really willing to fight it out with you, talk about it, not fight physically, but, you know, be in your stuff with you, but there is a place where I may remove myself because you may be stunning my growth or you may be affecting, you know, the person that I want to be because I, I believe that the people that you are connected to are, I don't want to say the people you become, but a part of their character is within you. You're going to be more like the people that you spend the most time with. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think, I think superficially, I think we, we, we all, we, we use the term cis because you're black. That's, that, that's what I think actually happens with the word cis. It's like, I, I'm, because I'm, I'm in a space where I always want to elevate you, especially because you're black, you know, you're cis, right? Yeah. So, so that's, there's that. But then like personally speaking, I have one sister. I have three brothers and I have one sister, right? My sister is from my um my mother. We have we share the same mother. And um we're not super close. We're not super close. I mean, we have a significant age difference. Um 
I think she might be like nine, between nine and 11 years younger than I am. And I actually, you know, she went, she's in the military also, as am I. And she went overseas and I cared for her son for like nine months. Yeah. Um, but she and I don't really know each other for real. We really don't. So even today, she's home now and she has her son and we still, you know, share him. Um, but we're still trying to get to know each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's my sister because she's my blood. I'm always going to ride for her. I'm always going to do what I can for her. But do I hold her in the same, um, you know, regard as I do say, you know, you guys, honestly, not yet. I, I don't, I don't, yeah. you know, I, I do because she's, she's my blood sister and I'm always going to take care of her, but we don't share um, that vulnerability with each yeah. other. Yet. Yeah. We're still learning that. Like we're, we are constantly trying to figure that out. And now we're in Corona and I have a new girlfriend, you know, whatever. So I'm, I'm, I'm over here in my world because I've had her son for nine months and I'm like, here, you know, take your, take your son. You know, <laughs> she said, she's saying at my house and I'm saying at my girlfriend's house. So it's like, we're still not um, bonding the way that we probably would have had, you know, Corona not come into, you know, not happened or, you know, whatever. So um, I definitely feel that I have certain friends that I hold in a higher regard um, concerning vulnerability. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But am I, but am I gonna take care of her in the same manner that I take care of y'all? For sure, and probably a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes perfect sense. It's a yeah. It, it's this caregiver this caregiver role, like, will you always be there for her? Will you always take care of her? Um, Versus do you always believe that she could always take care of you? And part of this issue that I think we're not quite covering, and I didn't realize until this moment, is that for most of us with our younger siblings, um, aside from Jay having one older brother, most of us are the oldest sibling as well. And so maybe that's something that we talk about in a different relation, in a different dynamic, because who I am with my siblings is partially because I love them, but also because of what my parents have told me that I need to be, because I'm also their older sibling, right? Like, and, and who, you can't always be vulnerable with your younger sibling if you always being told to come and take care of them, right? Like, you, how can that happen? But I'll give my, my feedback later. Jay, I think you got frozen a little. We're going to come get some cupcakes. And go ahead. Yeah, I'm on one of them cupcakes. Right. Uh, I'm really coveting that cupcake right now. Dee, um, I might go over here too, D. I might go. We might we no good for the corona, y'all. Uh, no. Come on. Let, let At least not. Don't put it on or the YouTube. Or the intermittent fast. So we're not it. supposed to be eating at 7 o'clock. No, I got till 8. Oh, I got till 8. No, I just wanted to say, I think it's interesting because people, and we talked about this, people just use words, right? And, and it frustrates me because people are like, oh, that's semantics. And I know I say it myself sometimes, like that's semantics, but words mean things. 
right? And I feel like oftentimes we use words and, and the meaning is inaccurate. And so there are definitely people who you are placed in this sister category who are not your sisters. Um, oh, I don't know. Mm. If you belong to a Greek organization or have pledged a Greek organization or going to pledge a Greek organization, the people you are in that organization with are your sisters and you call them as such and you're there for them and you, you do all of these things for them, but they're also still individual people who you might not be friends with if you were not in this Greek organization together. Are we lying right? when we sisters. call them sisters? Are we lying when we call them sisters and we don't truly believe they're sisters? I don't know. I don't know if it's a lie or if, again, it's about what do words mean? You know what I mean? Like, I think about, like, you know, Nyan calling most Black women I know auntie, and I'm good with no, it. No, and I'm I not want good him, with it. No, I, <laughs> but I want him to see Black women as this safe space, you know, this person is your auntie, et cetera, et cetera. But there's this level of discernment there where I'd have to whisper, like, that's, that's not really your auntie, like, no, where, and you know, everyone is not treated equally that it's called auntie. You know what I mean? He needs um, to just call me God mommy then, because you okay. don't be on the level with every black woman, especially <laughs> exactly. your little friend you were talking about at the beginning. Right, right. And it's like, do you place everyone on the same level because they have a title? No. So just because you call in a bunch of people your sister, that doesn't mean they're all on the same level of sisterhood, um, whatever that might mean to you. And I remember when pledging my organization and they were my sisters, you know, and we did things together. You know, if they called, you were to respond. You know, if it, it because you were bonded in that, I, I'm sure the military has the same kind of feel to it. You know, like battle buddies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am. Mm -hmm. Like battle buddies, like things like that. But at the same time, some of those people individually, no. Outside of that organization, we would never even speak to one another. Like it wouldn't even be a thing. Um, and so in certain situations, you can put those feelings aside because you're bonded in this one space, but it's not a universal space. No, yeah. all aunties are not aunties. No, yeah. they're not. <laughs> What'd you say, D? Can I interject a sisterhood definition? Yeah. Uh -huh. So I would look at it in, as a shared experience for a period of time, like your childhood, your adulthood, your, you know, and it may encompass all of your life, but in that moment, like perhaps when you're pledging, perhaps when you're deployed, you know, the other person you rely on and you take care of and vice versa, like a brother or sister. Um, if you look at it like that and look at your life in snapshots, I could see how Greek sisterhood could exist in that moment and perhaps not the love always lasting but perhaps not the closeness in the bond same thing with military um because i mean there are people that i went to war with it no i wouldn't eat dinner at their homes <laughs> yeah. moment yeah i'm gonna protect you i'm gonna do what i need to do to keep you safe got it yana 
Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's the same as Megs. I'm trying to figure out if they're going to start being real active in the joint, but they be playing. I'm, I'm actually considering. I, I want to be financial up here in Baltimore. You but know, that's, again, a, you know we, another podcast. Yeah, another podcast. Yeah. Another podcast. And, and, or, or YouTube, whatever this is. Okay. But, Oh yeah, I know the chapter. Well, Dina, I think that there's a um there's a qualifier that's placed on that, right? Like, and again, I'm not in a sorority, so Yanni can talk about that. But um, you you qualify that by a a name you put before that relation, right? So a line sister or a battle buddy, right? Like because the, when you go into battle, this is your connection be, in that in that context. But we don't always use that context in these situations. And I, I, I truly am struggling with the fact that I'm part of these um, different small groups of people who, who, who have um, affiliations of such, who want to use titles of affiliation, but when it really comes down to it, it doesn't always feel that way, right? Um, so I, I struggle with the idea of who's closer. Like I think about, like you all talked about, I think about my siblings, I have um, a biological sister of whom I have no relationship with because of the dynamics that happens within our community, right? As well as a biological brother who's also a, a reflection of the dynamics that happens within our community. But I have a sister who's my close, that's my heart, that's my baby. And, uh, and there's moments of which to, I guess, what Janai said earlier, I'm probably less vulnerable with her than I am with you all. And she feels it, and she calls me out on it, but I also feel like I'm her older sister by eight years, and so that's a a reflection. I also feel like um, there's certain decisions that she makes that I don't understand, and not that I don't value them. I don't understand them because she doesn't tell me about them. Right. And so I find out on the later end. And so when I refer to like you all, I don't necessarily refer to you guys as my sisters. I refer to you guys as my friends, which is probably more powerful to me than sister because I chose you all. Right. Like you all are part of my choosing process. And in choosing you all, it means that I'm vulnerable. It means that you know my children, you know my wife. It means that in the deepest parts, the darkest parts of the night, I sound like a slave. In the darkest parts <laughs> of the night, I'm calling on you all. I'm beating a drum and I'm doing a war call because I need you there. But I don't necessarily expect that from my sister because I expect my sister to be dependent on me. I expect her to call me, but not necessarily me to call her, which is a whole nother conversation. But it is interesting because as black people, we put so much additional emphasis on relations and relationships when um, I'm not sure if we should. I'm not, I'm not sure if we should. Um, but yes, we're going to go ahead and get off of here soon because we are well over an hour and a half. So we'll just have to do this again in another couple days. Um, but I wanted to ask you guys real quick. What are we calling this today? Because I need I need um, to put this on YouTube, and we know our name, right? Like we're the we're the grown ass women. But I had a couple ideas. Are we calling this? It gets good at the end. Are we calling this sisters versus friends? Are we calling this Asian Bay and the Get Down? 
Are we calling this tip <laughs> Are we calling this toxic friends? What if it's you? Like, what are, are we calling this something else? What do we call today as we put it on YouTube? I like, I like toxic friends and sister, sister bae. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, sister bae, girl. I said sisters versus friends or Asian bae and the get down. We talked enough about yes. toxic friends to call it toxic. Yeah, I want to say I want to say toxic friends. No toxic friends. So then we How about have something like it gets complicated. It's you know it gets complicated. Okay. Yeah, like low key complicated. If we're going to use the uh the Come insecure, yeah, the insecure uh, nomenclature. <laughs> words mean things semantic low-key low complicated because I think we've talked about a lot of different pieces um both about the show but expanding into real life too okay okay I feel like, I feel like that could be the, the surface into the surface of stuff well what was the name of the actual episode oh it low was key tripping low-key <laughs> tripping that was Molly Maybe like oh low key tripping and then some. Mm-hmm. What was yeah. Isa's? Isa's was low key moving on. Was that? Was I think that? hers was moving on or something like that. Oh wow! Wait a minute. Let me look at it. Which is yeah. all about movement. Both of them. If you're tripping, you're moving, and if you're moving on, you're moving. So mm-hmm. how about I like I like low key. It's complicated. Mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe we'll go with that. And then what do we want to talk about next time? So next time I got sexuality, I got sister friends, I got ego in friendships, I got the time and place in conversations. Are you guys good with all those? Or you want to add in something else? Nah, I think that's enough. I think that's enough. You uh-huh. We we might have to pick one of those. <laughs> I know, cause I don't know why I keep thinking that all these conversations could happen in an hour, and they always happen more than that, right? So I don't know. If that's my what's my issue with that? But make series, Doctor Plummer. <laughs> yes, it's a series. Yes. It's a series. We're posting these. Um, shout out to my executive assistant Nadia. She posts these every time we put them on there. The issue is that. We're homies. And so we get on here and we just like start to talk. And I'm like, mm, how do I cut this off? Because it's so good. Like, there's no need to cut it off. I think we can turn this into a podcast. I don't know if I need to put this in a group chat. Now, Yanni been talking I about agree. a podcast. I have been talking about a podcast for years. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm here for a podcast. We, we, we need to have a social distance meeting about mm-hmm. making this a podcast. Yeah, I'm not going to say it, but I feel like this is the atmosphere. <laughs> well, let's go, ahead, let's go ahead and make moves in. We'll, we'll, what are we going to call ourselves? The Grown-Ass Women? Grown-Ass Women Podcast? I don't know. We're going to come up with something. That'd be part mm-hmm. of me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. But now I recently go- came across a new podcast. It's called Read the Room. And I was like, man, that is a great name. Oh, yeah. I have gotten that name. But you know, I want something that's more black women centered. Yeah, they're black. Mm-hmm. They're two okay. black girls. I'm mm-hmm. All right. 
So um, that's it for me, ladies. I am going to um, stop what we're doing because we're about to ruin. Oh, oh no, that's not. <laughs> Hey guys, that's uh-huh. our corny friend. That's, that's our clearly friend. the corny friend. Clearly the corny uh-huh. friend. All right, I'm about to stop this right now. So shout out to everybody who came out with us today and hung out with us. Please continue to let your friends know that we are a group of super, super Black women, super uh, philosophical and intellectual, com- uh, conversing around media and conversing around friendships, conversing around relationships and we're out here to share our thoughts with you and we hope that at some point you will share your thoughts with us too so shout out to the grown as women and the upcoming podcast that we just determined is about to happen so watch out for us in the podcast as well and we love you all check out audictherapygroup.com if you want to get some therapy as well talk to you later thank you